I asked Elise and Steve to stay up here because uh, Steve introduced us to Angeloid Fenric, our speaker this morning, and I just want to give you a little background to uh, Angeloid. Angeloid is from Alabama, (laughs) (laughs) one of 12 uh, children told Angeloid, Heather here on staff at Grace is one of 18, so one of 12 isn't really that big of a deal. Uh, Angeloid came here to go to Howard University where she received a degree in psychology. She later went on to get the Master's of Divinity from Howard University. She is a licensed clinical social worker and uh, has been a guest lecturer at uh, George Washington University, has worked as a psychologist in D.C. public schools, and a very long list of boards, organizations, and ministries that she has been a part of so long that we would be here for quite a while to list them all. She, uh, to this day, works with a house church, and Pastor John is here with a number of people right Pastor here. This and, Okay, and Pastor, another, okay, we've, all right. So... Uh, <laughs> We have lots of people here this morning. Angeloid on her uh, bio says towards the end, her anchors have been prayer in the Word of God. And I just want to add a uh, third anchor this morning, her husband of 52 years, Mr. Fenric. Yes. Uh, They said the first 50, they were just kind of getting the kinks worked out. The next... The next 50, they're really ready to dive in. <laughs> Mr. Fenrick used to work right down the street here at Arlington Hall, and when I was 10 years old, I played in the sewers underneath Arlington Hall. <laughs> it seemed like a cool thing to do when I was 10 years old. But um, I tell you what, uh, Steve introduced uh, Elise and I uh, to Angeloid a couple months ago. I immediately fell in love with her, and I tell you, I met Mr. Fenrick this morning. I immediately fell in love with him. These are two wonderful people who have an incredible story to tell. Angeloid's going to tell us that story this morning, but could we just give just a very warm welcome to Angeloid. Thank you. Thank you uh, for that warm welcome so much. It's been such a pleasure. I was here at the first service, and I just feel so welcome. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, Just a a moment of prayer to ask the Lord to steady me again. Father, in the name of Jesus, we do thank you this morning for this opportunity, Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Lord, that um, for all of your people you have in the world. And it's been such a pleasurable time this morning. And I think about the song, When All of God's People Get Together. Oh, what a time that will be. And so may we just have um, a little uh, experience of that time this morning, Lord. And so I surrender my heart to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. And may, we, may you open up every heart to hear what you have to say. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I uh, am uh, so grateful uh, for all the friends who have come, uh, Pastor Deneen and Pastor John, with some of the uh, persons from the Saving Soul Ministries, No Soul Left Behind, amen, over in Northeast D.C. So this morning, um, I um, have been asked to come to share a little bit of... um, the testimony um, that God has made in my life uh, in regards to the civil rights 
uh, movement. I thank God, as I said this morning, for the time in which I was born. God has a special time for all of us. Amen. Praise God. And uh, so I thank God for that time, and it is our responsibility to fulfill whatever purpose he has for us in the time that he has given us. And so in the time that uh, I was born, it just so happened down in Alabama, Mobile, actually Pritchett, a suburb of Mobile, the little neighborhood that I lived in. And I was uh, blessed to meet several people in your congregation from Alabama this morning. Amen. And I think Alabamians are some of the most special people in the world. <laughs> Have another Alabamian with me from uh, Birmingham this morning who knew the little girls that were bombed back there in the civil rights. But God is awesome. Because um, as I think about my time, the first memory I have for civil rights for me was at age four. And we were going to another part of Alabama for my parents to take my baby sister. I'm the oldest of the 12. To take my baby sister for her, their, his sister, to see the new baby. And we had to ditch our car in the woods because in those days... The Ku Klux Klan ruled in Alabama. And for us, we had to get a news report every day as to whether it was safe to be on the streets at night because people were just strung up and hung without cause. And the byword, as people would go up and down the road, uh, they would um, ask, was it safe? Are the night riders thick on the road? And uh, so... And they would say yes or no. But one night we were going to Evergreen, Alabama, and we got a report that there was danger. Ku Klux Klan were up ahead. So my father ditched his car in the woods, and we got out. But he continued the trip. We got out, and we caught the train to Evergreen. And I remember it was hot, and my mother had the baby, and so my father picked me up and put me on his shoulder and we had to stand up all the way because on the train they had Jim Crow laws. And that meant that uh, all the blacks and whites had to be separated. And so they only had like one car for black people. So we had to stand up all the way the two hours to Evergreen. But yet uh, those things, those are incidents that I remember. But what we grew up in our heart, my parents were people of love. My mother had been burned when I was a year old over 75% of her body, and with first, second, and third degree burns. They said that she wouldn't live, but if she should live, she definitely wouldn't be able to walk again, and she absolutely could not have any more children. I was the only one. I'm the oldest of 12. She said the voice of the Lord came to her when she was on her bed and said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And she said, Lord, if you heal me, I promise. She was in the bed for one year. If you heal me, I promise that I will be the best wife and mother I can, and I will teach my children about Jesus. And I thank God for my mother because she kept that promise. I mean, she ate, slept, and drank Jesus. Amen. <laughs> she, As we were growing up, 
And you know, children stand around and they beg for things that the parents have. And we would say, Mother, uh, could uh, I have a piece of your candy? She liked Peter Paul Mounds, and sometimes she was going to eat one by herself. She said, Honey, peace is in heaven. I want you to work to get there here. <laughs> and, and then sometimes, sometimes she would be eating a special piece of meat that she liked. Mother, could we have a piece of your meat? She said, Honey, I want you to meet Jesus here. I want you to pray. And so, I mean, she, it was Jesus, Jesus. And I thank God because hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus is the way. He's the truth and the life. Amen. Praise God. And so going fast forward when I was 12 or 13, Uh, the Montgomery bus boycott began. And I remember the people in Mobile in the church, they began to pray that the people in Montgomery would stick together because, you know, there's strength in unity. Amen. When, When the Lord, the time was when the Lord calls Dr. King, those who were in a in the uh, civil rights movement and he fixed it so that he got the job to lead. He too, at age five had really started the civil rights journey in his heart. He said, I remember reading in one of his um, biographies that when he was five years old, he went to a shoe store in Atlanta with his grandmother and his grandmother was not allowed to try on the shoes. She had to buy the shoes without trying them on because black people were not allowed to try the shoes on. And he says he remembers in his heart at age five that that wasn't fair. And so he grew up and prepared himself, studied ethics in college, and knew that in order to change a person's behavior, you have to begin to change their thinking. Because if the thinking is not changed, our behavior is governed by what we think. Amen? And so that's what we try to do uh, in counseling and psychology and in ministry is try to get people to change their hearts. And so he began, that thought grew up in him. And so he was ready when an opportunity came at the age of 25, already having a doctorate degree at the age of 25 in the past of a church, he was ready when they came to discuss what were they going to do about Mrs. Rosa Parks being arrested because she got on the bus when she was tired and she refused to give up her seat. You know, enough was enough. They had been looking at ways to address this system. Dr. King was the new guy, the new boy on the block, new man on the block. And so because of politics, and this one wasn't in love with that one and the other, they chose him because he was the new man on the block. But God had already prepared him. And so it was an opportunity presenting itself for him to stand up, take the ethics that he had learned, the love that God had put in his heart. I'm sure similar training that we had in a Christian home, he had had in his father's house who was a pastor and so he was ready to step in and it says something to us today that sometimes we have an idea in our heart of something we would like to do and I would like to encourage each one especially the young people who are trying to figure out and some of those who are older too who are trying to figure out what should I do what direction should I go can I do this can I do that we can never do 
everything on our own. But God puts the ideas in our hearts because he's ready to help us to accomplish whatever it is that we have to do. Amen. Praise God. And so in the Montgomery bus boycott, the thing I remember is the unity that they had. We went there. I went there in the middle of the bus boycott as a teenage delegate to a church conference. And I remember it was such a um, joyful feeling of the fact that uh, we were actually moving and very, very peaceful. And as I said this morning, I learned later so much was going on in the background. The teachers from Alabama State College used to go back to the college at night and mimeograph. Y'all probably don't know what mimeographing is, but some of us, somebody, <laughs> mimeograph. We didn't have Xerox machines then. We would put some ink on a, a, a machine with a drum and put a carbon on there, and then somebody knows down here, and then you would turn it and print off the copies. So the teachers at Alabama State Teachers College used to slip back on campus at night and mimeograph the information so that they could get it around. All those kind of back, and they put their lives in danger by doing that too. Uh, and so I want to thank all the background people in the audience this morning. Those who are not seen up front, uh, out front all the time. Amen. Everybody's work is important. And God sees. He doesn't miss anything. He sees. And I want to thank you this morning. And so as I went and we participated and we were in town for about uh, a week or two and it was so peaceful, nothing happened. And so as I was preparing to share these remarks, God bought the verse from Matthew 5. Your uh, pastor's going to cover that beginning next week. But just one verse, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Amen. And it strikes me the word for pure that's used there in the Greek is katharos. And the word Catherine comes from that. I don't know if we have any Catherines in the audience this morning. But katharos means um, pure oil, beaten oil, like as in olive oil. And in order to get it pure, what has to happen is it has to be beaten. It has to be beaten. And sometimes suffering feels like a beating to us. Amen. But blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And it's the Holy Spirit who comes in to purify our hearts. And sometimes we go through some hurt and some suffering as he is able to get us there. But as I look back on the years, looking back many years now on what happened in that era, yes, there was lots of suffering, but our God is so awesome because he is able to purify our hearts. And I can tell you, I only went through a little bit, amen? But I can tell you today, because Jesus was emphasized and because he is the way, the truth and the life, because he himself is the word. And when we pick it up off the pages and read it and study it and memorize it, we're getting Jesus in our heart. I thank God today that I can stand. There's no hatred or anything, only love because love conquers all. Amen. So uh, the message for us out of that era is not to allow 
um, a root of bitterness to take root in our heart, not to allow hurt to remain. We can't help it when people hurt us, but we can help it if we decide to hold on to it because the Bible tells us that on the cross, Jesus took every hurt and pain and by his stripes, we are healed. And so he has already gone through the process to ensure our healing. And Psalms 120 tells us that God sent his word and healed them of all their troubles and their diseases. That word is still alive today. And so fast forward to the civil rights movement, to the uh, March on Washington. And again, the experience was peace. But then there was a love. The Holy Spirit, as I said, my, my take on it as I think back, the Holy Spirit hovered over D.C. all day long. And nobody could be cross, uh, violent if they wanted to. Everybody was so courteous. It was just such a wonderful, wonderful experience. And so I want to come and uh, with that experience to say, just as God showed up, Martin Luther King saw him. Amen. We see him in our understanding as we allow our hearts to be cleansed so that we can hear what he's saying in terms of what is our job today as we live in this era and all that is going on today. What is our job? Amen. If we surrender our hearts to him, he will speak to us and lead and guide us in the direction that he wants us to go, that we can bring the kingdom of heaven here to earth. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for this opportunity. Praise God. As Angeloid was talking and about, she had shared that story about the march and how the presence of God just hovered and no violence could happen, no hatred could happen because the Holy Spirit was like a blanket upon our city that day. It made me think about the Apostle Paul on his way to Damascus, on his way to do violence, his way to do hatred, and we're told that the Spirit of God fell upon him literally knocked him on his backside and kept him from doing anything wrong and completely transformed his life. This is a fact. It's a historical fact. Anytime God is about to do a great move and to fall upon a people or a city or a nation or the world, it is always preceded by people praying. Praying and asking that the Spirit of God would fall. And this is what stirred in my heart from what Angeloid has shared. There are people, and she shared with me herself, 
privately. There are people, many people praying for that, leading up to that day, that historic day in Washington. And I think we all would say we need that again. Our city needs it. Our country needs it. Our world desperately needs it. Who will pray? Who will unite together and say, come down, Holy Spirit. We need you because we cannot do this by ourselves. We need your presence to turn things around. I'm going to ask Angeloid if she would just pray. And all of us unite together, pulling together our prayers and asking the Spirit of God to fall upon the city, our country, and our world. Will you lead us, Angeloid, in that prayer? Praise God. Shall we bow our heads? Father, we just thank you right now. Before Jesus left, he said that he would not leave us orphans, but he would send the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, our guide, to take residence inside of our heart. And so, Lord, we thank you uh, for blessing um, this congregation today, Lord God Almighty. And God, you were faithful to do that on that day of Pentecost in Acts. The Holy Spirit came and lit upon each head, changed the thinking, the minds of the people, Lord, and then took residence in their heart. And they were all heard in all different kinds of languages, giving you praise so that everybody understood. And so, Father, and Peter stood up and preached and he said, this is for you and for your children and for all of those who are afar off. God, we are the afar off people. A long ways over 2,000 years from that day in Pentecost. But yet, Lord God Almighty, your spirit is still available to be poured out in the same measure, Lord God Almighty. And so right now, Lord God Almighty, we ask that we might understand that and invite you to come and take residence in our heart. Bless us, Lord God Almighty, not to be afraid, not to let our intellect get in the way, Lord God Almighty, but to let your Holy Spirit have his way, Lord, because when he comes... He comes with that same love, a love even more intense, so that we know that Jesus is Jesus, that God is Lord, Lord God Almighty, as you did in my heart one day, Lord. So we pray, Lord God Almighty, that we would all just seek the presence of your Holy Spirit, because you're so faithful. You're a gentleman. You will not force us. But you're so faithful to respond to our request. So, Lord, we stand here united with all here this morning, asking that your Holy Spirit would be poured in our hearts first, Lord. And then out on our nation, Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah, Lord God Almighty. That what you are asking to happen, that you are coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And the only way that will happen is that your spirit guide us. So we surrender to your spirit today and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Could you help me with a combination uh, thank you to God for his promise to hear and answer our prayer and also to thank Angeloid for what she shared with us this morning. Can we just uh, thank the Lord for that? Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.